I believe there are two ways to look at your career. One is like it's a minefield, filled with devices put there by others, expectations, constraints, bias, pressure, glass ceilings, glass cliffs. Or the other is that it's a playing field and you can master the game with tools, mindset, support, communities, and a powerful stance that helps you own your story, take your place, and step into your power. While the former certainly is rooted in a lot of systemic realities, this podcast, it's about the latter. This podcast is about us, as women, doing our thing to make our career our very own playing field. Welcome to Speaking with Women. I'm your host, Vivishi Haile. I'm a serial entrepreneur. and the mom of one, a third culture kid, a career and personal branding advisor, and I am pretty obsessed with helping women step into their professional power. So I invite you to join me and let's step into our power together. I realized recently that there were quite a few women around me who were either looking at getting into speaking or who were trying to take their speaking business to another level. Now, a couple of these women are clients, but some of my friends are also exploring speaking. And so as a visibility-obsessed personal branding advisor, this makes me very happy, but it also coincides with my own efforts to double down on my speaking business. I want to give it a larger share in my portfolio career pie. You should ask me what a portfolio career is so I can run and make a podcast episode out of the answer. So anyway, I decided to do an episode on how to build your first talk. Now, I want to make a few things clear from the get-go. Number one, there are a lot of different ways of approaching this. What's going to work for my brain might not work for yours. And so I'm offering this episode as a way to start you thinking about how you might go about it, but also to demonstrate that there isn't anything magical about this. There isn't anything magical about speaking. So when you see someone who's doing a speaking gig, there's stuff going on in the background that once you know, you can do yourself. And that's what I wanted to put out in the world. It's both a creative and a structured process. The idea is to get what's in your head out onto paper and into the world. The other thing that I want to highlight is that I realized that when I talk about visibility, I put a really intense focus on LinkedIn. And here I want to expand the conversation a little, and I want to demonstrate that there are other visibility avenues should you choose to explore them. Like everything else, like, you know, every choice you make for yourself, I really encourage you to come at this from a place of deep understanding of how you function and of what you need. And you'll see as we go along why this is important, but you really have to respect what you need and respect your rhythm as you go through this or as you do this work. So for me, I speak because I like to. I like the spoken word. I like the written word. I always have. I also like to do research and to make new things with that research. But you see, I'm terrified of video. I really hate video. And I have this wonderful marketing coach and she told me recently to test out TikTok. She says the organic reach is really, really unparalleled. You know, compared to other social media platforms, TikTok has this crazy reach. She says, so just try it. You have the material, you have the content. Just do short videos with material that you already have and see what happens with it. And so I spent an evening after our conversation exploring TikTok. And what came out of that exploration was, I am pretty sure that no, TikTok is not for me. And frankly, I don't think it's for the women I speak to either. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know. You tell me. But all this to say 
that there is a coherence in the platforms that I've chosen for myself, right? The podcast, LinkedIn, and then speaking. And that's the exploration I encourage you to do for yourself. What are the platforms where you feel at your best? In the meantime, here's some guidance on how to build your first talk. If you're listening to this and what's on your mind for a platform is a podcast, I just want you to know that I use the exact same process to build my podcast episodes and also to write articles. So let's go. This episode is going to be a little bit different from my usual ones because it's very, very tactical. There are three steps that I take to building a talk. There's the research, the structure, and then the scripting. So let's start talking about the research. So first I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you one version of this story, but the truth is there are many, many iterations in my life of this particular story. When I started my studies that I spent a lot of time in because I never finished anything, at some point I registered for a sociology degree. This is one of my numerous attempts to push past my boredom and obtain an undergraduate degree. So when I registered, I came at it with a very specific plan in mind. I wanted to write a thesis on a subject and I already had the title for that subject. I often start like that with a title. Now I am embarrassed, like really, I cringe to tell you the subject. But in order for you to understand how obsessive and how specific I can get, here we go. I wanted to research and to write on the subject of, quote, the African man and his woman, unquote. The choice of words is very deliberate. The idea of using his woman was meant to already make a statement about what I had an issue with going into this research. Now, this approach is problematic for a number of reasons. Number one, as you can tell, I was not neutral in my approach. I didn't have a question going in that I was going to explore. I had an opinion. Number two, I was applying for an undergraduate degree. Like a thesis was not in my future for a long time. I had to do the pre-work. I had to build the foundations before I could dive into what interested me. So imagine my frustration and I never did get to do that thesis. But years later, when I went to do a master's degree, I came in again with, guess what? A subject. I absolutely wanted to explore that particular subject and to make it into a business plan. And here again, I was met with resistance and annoyance in the form of my supervising professor. And he said, you start by doing a literature review. And my arrogance, I didn't say this out loud, but this is literally how I lived the first few months of that process. I thought to myself, I don't need to do a literature review. Like I know what I think about this subject and that's what I want to explore. So just get off my case. But a literature review is not negotiable in the academic space. And so I ended up having to do one. And now doing preliminary research has become my go-to first step when exploring a subject. It is also what I'm suggesting that you do as your first step when you start to think about your talk. And here's why I rallied behind this annoying lit review thing. The truth is there isn't much in the world that hasn't existed in one way, shape, or form across history, across geography, across cultures. So that brilliant idea that you have, someone else has, sometimes at the very exact same moment. Someone else has had or will have. And if you think about ideas as connecting things together, we basically all have access to the same 
raw material. So someone has been thinking and probably has written about your subject or something connected to it. So what's going to be original is not the idea or the content, but how you put it together, how you bring your own special sauce to something that is already out there. And also, if you want to be credible on a subject, you have to have done some research about it. Now, trust me, my past self didn't want to hear this, but it's critical. And P.S., for those of you, my hand is raised here, struggling with imposter syndrome, this is a scaffold you want for yourself, at least a little bit, okay? So all this to say that your first step is research. Now, all of us do research differently, and let me dive a little bit deeper into the way that I do it. Like I've said, I like the written or the spoken words. So my first step is usually going to be to get a pile of books, to get articles and to, you know, find podcasts that I can binge on. I'll explore the subject for a while, but I don't do this in a linear way. I'm not trying to make sense at this point. I don't think research should be linear. I really think it should be chaotic. It should be free. It's messy right? Because structure is editorial. You make choices in order to have structure, but you don't want to do that too early, right? At the beginning, you just want a big, messy pile of information. So the way I do this is usually I have a lot of paper with notes. My books are highlighted. And by the way, highlighting a book for me is such an act of rebellion because during all of my childhood and secondary school, I was told you do not write in a book. I found out when I came to North America that you are indeed allowed to write in a book. And now there isn't a single book of mine that isn't heavily written in and highlighted and post-its and whatnot. Anyway, I digress. So I have the highlights in the book. I have post-its everywhere. I also use really large 11 by 17 papers and I use them to jot down ideas or to draw like arrows and whatnot to make connections between the ideas. Because I am terrified of plagiarism, and if Robin and Candice from the Simone de Beauvoir Institute, if you're listening to this, it's because of you that I'm terrified and I still have your worksheet on how to reference work. But anyway, plagiarism scares me so much that while I'm doing the research, I will separate the ideas by the original author. So I'll put a note somewhere that this you know, belongs to this person. Well, I'll just do like a table or columns with the different authors, right? That's the only sort of structure that I will put in my research. Part of this technique is also because you'll find that when you're doing research, there's so much information that eventually you'll sort of be lost between your own thoughts and the information that you're finding. So you have to have a way to separate the two. So phase one, an unstructured deep dive into the subject you're interested in. You will emerge from this space with a couple of things. One, a pretty clear idea of what is being said about this subject and who are the thought leaders. Number two, you'll also know what you agree with and what you disagree with. So you'll have a clear idea of what your opinion is and what annoys you. And this is where things get interesting. This is where you start to develop and evolve your own approach to a subject. In fact, if you want to listen to an episode of Speaking with Women that demonstrates this process, check out episode 11, Should We Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome? That's literally what happened. So now you have your raw material, your opinion. The next step is to start giving it structure. Now, if you follow me, 
you know that organization is not my strength, but I want to nuance that a little bit. I suck at organizing how to do things. So like a project, anything, you know, concrete with step-by-step and timelines and whatnot. But what I'm really good at organizing is information, like what I'm doing here. And that's because I use a three-part framework and that's what I'm going to talk to you about now. But before I present that framework, I want to spend some time talking about why it's important to move from research to structure. Research is fun. It's a total rabbit hole. However you do it, it doesn't matter. If you're interested in the subject, it will suck you in. And you have to break that and get out of the rabbit hole. Research can also really easily become a procrastination technique. Because while your brain may be fascinated by all that you're discovering, there could be a sneaky little voice that starts to tell you, oh my God, everybody knows so much about this. Look at all the experts out there. Who do you think you are adding your voice to the mix? Hello, imposter syndrome, right? So that's why you need to, yes, spend time in research, but get out at some point. Have fun with the exploring phase, time box it, and come out by creating a structure around your thinking. And by the way, this is a really iterative process because, for instance, when I start to put some structures, sometimes I'll find that there's a gap in my thinking, right? I'll draw it out and I'm like, well, this doesn't make sense. Something's missing. And so I'll need to go back and do a little bit more research so I can fill in that gap. And usually the gap is a question that I have that can't be answered by what I've found. So then the framework. The framework is derived from Barbara Minto's work, The Pyramid Principle. That book actually got me unstuck one day. So I had bought it. And I never read it. I sort of flipped through it, but I didn't actually read it. And I was in the throes of too much research. And I had an article deadline. I had actually an article that had been commissioned. I had to write it. I'd been doing the research. And now I was stuck. I didn't know how to move from there. And so I was looking for tools. And I took out Barbara Minto's book and started to flip through it. And she offers this pyramid structure to build an argument. And it makes so much sense that literally it becomes a no-brainer for your audience. And it completely got me unstuck and I've kept that pyramid structure, but I've sort of changed it to meet my needs. I highly encourage you to get the book. It's a bit dry, but it's really, really useful. So I changed the structure to meet my needs. Basically, this pyramid structure is like, it looks like an org chart with a first level, three second levels, and three levels under each of this. If you work in an organization, you know what an org chart is. Otherwise, open a Word document and look at what a, a basic organizational chart would look like. That's what my pyramid structure is like. And I'm going to put in the show notes an example. And I'll actually put my course on your own terms as an example, because like I said, I use this structure for pretty much everything. So once I have enough research, I have my notes everywhere, now, in those notes, I look for categories. I extract categories from the ideas that I have in the notes. And usually, I look to have three categories. So for instance, for this episode, idea number one was research, idea number two was structure, and idea number three is scripting. Once I have my three ideas, I start to bullet point what I want to say about those three ideas. And this is, again, taken from reorganizing my research in my notes. At this point, you should have everything you need. You're just playing Tetris with it. You're putting it in the right place. So again, as an example, with this episode, idea number one is research. Sub-idea number one is context. 
Here I use a story to give context. Sub idea number two is the literature review. And sub idea number three is this idea of chaotic reading. So as I go through this and put bullet points under each of these sub ideas, I end up with a really complete structure of my talk, my article, my podcast episode, and even my course. And a really good test of this is to use your structure to build a table of contents. Now, you know, this is where you see my nerdiness, but I'll usually do a table of contents and it's literally my favorite part of a book. The one thing you're missing from this framework is an introduction. So a section that provides context at the beginning before you fall into the three ideas. So you want to add that in there. So once I have that structure, I can get to the third and last part of building my talk, which is creating a script. So this part of the process is, I think, a little bit different the way I do it than what other people do. And I want to talk you through why I chose to do it this way. A day or so ago, I saw a post on LinkedIn from a coach who was talking about this very subject about how to build your first talk. Her approach is super interesting and useful, but it's very different from mine. I'll link her post in the show notes so you can see what options are out there. And one of the main differences is that once you have found what you want to talk about, she recommends bullet pointing it so you have something to fall back on as you talk. I recommend a much more detailed scripted approach. And here's the thing, I do that because I know my brain. It's really susceptible to distraction, all distraction. Like the squirrel brain expression was invented for me. At any given time, there are like three or four tracks going on in there of thoughts. One of them is a conversation and there's also probably a music soundtrack, right? Like there's a lot of stuff going on in there. What this means for me is that if I try bullet pointing it, and that squirrel actually runs across the window when I'm giving the talk, I am guaranteed, 100% guaranteed to lose my train of thought. And you add to that <laughs> being 45, not having enough sleep under my belt. And I knew for a fact that I'm not going to get that thought back. And even knowing this and thinking about it creates anxiety and so keeps me from being at my best. So what do I do? I script everything. Word for word. Yep, you heard right. Word for word. Everything is scripted, including the yep that I said at the start of this sentence. So I feel like I'm giving you all my secrets today, but I've been told by people who listen to the podcast, oh my God, Bibi, but you sound so natural. That's because when I write it the first time, I am natural. What I'm doing when I'm scripting is I'm writing the conversation that's happening in my head. I'm actually talking to you as I write. So basically what's happening is I'm taking verbatim notes of our conversation in my head. Now I know it sounds crazy, but I'm having that conversation. So the words that I would use, the colloquialism, <laughs> everything is in there, right? See, that wasn't in there. I just added it, which is why it sounds so messy. <laughs> so when I'm reading my notes, including my speaker notes, during a talk, it sounds natural because it is. Now, one caveat with speaker notes for a talk, it's really, really easy right now because most of the talks are virtual, right? So the technology allows for it. Now, 
virtual space is my preferred space for talking, but I know a lot of people are just raring to go back to talks in real life. And I have a couple of things to say about that. Number one, I think testing out your talks virtually before taking them on the road is a really good idea. Number two is if you decide to go live directly, you can use the method I offer to get you started. But if you do do that, please don't try to learn it by heart. After a lot of practice, you will know it by heart, but don't set out doing that because what will happen is if you learn it by heart, your brain is focused on remembering specific elements. And if you lose that element, then you lose the rest that comes after it, right? Whereas if you focus on the framework and you practice, 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 even if you forget a part of it, you fall back on your framework. You know what your argument is. So it doesn't need to be scripted to that point. So this is like a hack for if you decide to do in real life immediately. And the thing is, if you continue to practice, eventually just you'll know it inside out, right? Also, when you're doing the talk live, one of the ways to really help you with remembering is to have visual anchors around your pyramid structure, right? So when you're building out a deck, a PowerPoint presentation, or any other form of visuals, try and remember to have anchors in there. So with my imposter syndrome talk, when I would explain how to sort of reframe imposter syndrome on the top right-hand corner of my PowerPoint, there was the title of that space. So for instance, practices or self-awareness or mindset, those are the three pieces. And that allowed me to know where I was and to situate myself, okay? So you script your talk from start to finish. And then if you're doing a talk, here comes the fun part. You just build your PowerPoint or visual support with very little words. You can just put up an image, a number, a statistic, something that speaks to the emotions of your audience, but you don't need to have any text up there because it's fully scripted in your speaker notes. There you go. That's it. That easy. And it's also so much fun. Maybe it's just me. I'm always bad at evaluating, you know, what part is geeking out and what's actual fun. But, you know, I enjoy this process very, very much. It's a deeply creative process for me. So let's review. You start with the research, you deep dive, you take notes, you ask questions of what you're reading, you put post-its everywhere. And then when you're done with that, you emerge for air and you start to structure what you have in front of you. You build a framework, you put all your ideas and sub-ideas in a pyramid form structure with bullet points. And finally, you use that pyramid to script your talk in a really detailed way. Basically, as if you were actually giving the talk for the first time. Now, this structure is second nature for me at this point, but I still love it for a number of reasons. And I want to share three of those reasons. Number one, like I said, I don't rely on memory anymore. I do my thinking once and then I automate the process. And I do that with a script. Number two, I think I might be a marketer at heart. I'm still exploring that concept, but I really think I am. And having all of this content means I can repurpose it in so many ways. Number three, I remove any and all stress from my talks. Sometimes I'll get the jitters. I'm not going to lie, but mostly that happens when I'm asked to speak in French, which is my first language, by the way, so go figure. But otherwise, I have totally de-risked the process for myself. Voilà, mes amis. So before you go, I would be remiss if I did not tell you what my signature talks are. 
who knows, you might have someone in your organization or in your volunteer space who's looking for an awesome speaker. That's me here. And just a note, did you see what I just did? I made the ask. Do you think I was nervous, uncomfortable? Yes, I was. But I know that there are hundreds of you listening to this podcast. And if I don't ask, how will you know what I do? And how will I know if it works when I ask? So anyway, I couldn't help myself with this little sales lesson because I'm a terrible salesperson. So when I do things like that, I'm proud of myself. Back to my talk. So I speak about three subjects, imposter syndrome and how to reframe it. And that's a talk I've given quite a bit that usually has a lot of resonance with the audience. Obviously, I have a talk called Personal Branding as Activism. And right now I'm test driving a new one that's born from another one of my obsessions. And it's called Networking on Your Own Terms. So I hope that this episode made public speaking a possibility for you. I hope there is one awesome idea in your head that took advantage of this episode and that pushed to the forefront. I hope you're going to put it out in the world. And if you do, I also hope that my playbook helps. Don't forget to head out to iTunes and to rate and review. It helps my ego and it helps my visibility. And until next time, stay unapologetically visible. 